Paul Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, January 16th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Today, a profile of Lewis County Sheriff Mike Carpinelli, one of thousands of law enforcement officers in the U.S. with ties to far-right groups that experts call anti-government and authoritarian. Are you more powerful than any state or federal agent or even the president in your county? In my county, mm-hmm. yes. The Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association teaches sheriffs they don't have to enforce laws they think are unconstitutional. I mean, to me, as a scholar who studies these things, it smacks of authoritarianism, right? It's this kind of belief that, like, you should be deferential to certain kinds of authority and, like, anybody who deviates from that authority, like, needs to be punished. We'll continue our look at far-right extremism in the North Country, part two of NCPR's investigative podcast, If All Else Fails. Plus, we'll take a look at Governor Hochul's 2024 budget proposal for the state. That's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by North Country Children's Museum, Potsdam, with hands-on and minds-on exhibits and programs for children 12 and under and their families. Open Wednesday to Sunday, 10 to 5, northcountrychildrensmuseum.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. This week, we're airing a special series on far-right extremism in the North Country. It's called If All Else Fails. You can listen to all episodes right now wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday, we heard from Jackie Bray. She leads New York's Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services. Bray says far-right extremism is among the state's top security concerns. And she's especially worried about that threat coming from within law enforcement. We know that domestic extremists and organizations, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, the Bugaloo Boys recruit in formal military and in active law enforcement. And it is incredibly concerning to me. And I think New Yorkers should be aware that that is a tactic of these groups. We continue our series on far-right extremism in the North Country with a profile of Lewis County Sheriff Mike Carpinelli. He has ties to at least two groups described by experts as anti-government and extremist. Reporters Emily Russell and Zach Hirsch bring us his story. It's a cold February night back in 2020. Folks are packed inside the Lewis County Courthouse in Lowville. We want to thank you for coming today. You're speaking from the heart. People are overflowing into the hall, which is really not typical for a county board meeting. But this is a meeting about gun control. This meeting is part of a push to designate Lewis County as a Second Amendment sanctuary, meaning there wouldn't be local enforcement of state gun laws. 
Thirty minutes in, a man who's been standing in the back walks to the front of the crowd. Hey, I got a chance to speak yet. I, I'd like to build a chance to talk as a sheriff of this county for the people that are here. Okay? Yeah. Lewis County Sheriff Mike Carpinelli. He's in uniform and has a grave expression on his face. Carpinelli is all for the Second Amendment sanctuary idea. He turns to the crowd. This is no joke, Carpinelli says. This is the fight for your lives as you know it in a free republic. Freedom. Freedom. You can hear the crowd is fired up behind him. Carpinelli calls Governor Andrew Cuomo a tyrant, says politicians in Albany are against people in Lewis County. But then there's something else Carpinelli says that goes beyond guns. He reminds the room where his allegiance lies. So tonight, I support everybody in this room, but I absolutely support the Constitution, the oath that I took. I will support that way before I'll support the state. Way before I'll support the county constitution or any other constitution. A few weeks later, Carpinelli emailed some colleagues about Second Amendment sanctuaries. He wrote, quote, We will prevail, but not without a fight. It will be done with faith, education, elections, and force when necessary. Force when necessary. That kind of language worries state and federal counterterrorism officials. In the end, Lewis County did not become a Second Amendment sanctuary. But for the local gun rights crowd, Carpinelli was a hero. Still is. It's been moments like this that have made Carpinelli popular in Lewis County. While other conservative sheriffs in the North Country say they're obligated to follow state laws, Carpinelli basically says not necessarily. Carpinelli is part of an ideological movement among law enforcement officials around the country called the Constitutional Sheriffs, led by former Arizona Sheriff Richard Mack. Here he is speaking with Carpinelli in a video interview in 2022. Are you more powerful than any state or federal agent or even the president in your county? In my county, mm-hmm. yes. Max Group teaches sheriffs they don't have to follow laws they think are unconstitutional. And we should say very clearly here, experts tell us that ideology is authoritarian and dangerous. The constitutional sheriffs is considered a far-right anti-government movement. The sheriffs in that movement see themselves as the true patriots, the last line of defense against tyranny. We reached out to Carpinelli multiple times over the months. He turned down our interview request. We wanted to ask him about his legal philosophy and statements like this one from that same interview with Richard Mack. I believe in defending our country. If all else fails, if all else fails, then we know what we have to do. Then we know. I don't believe yet that we're there yet. We're going to dive into these kinds of statements, this belief system. We'll look into Carpinelli's connections to the constitutional sheriffs and another group, the Oath Keepers. That's the militia at the center of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The Oath Keepers were part of organizing an attack on our democracy. Law enforcement leaders should not have formal relationships with them, full stop. What makes a county sheriff think that he has more power than other branches of the government? 
We know that authoritarianism is on the rise around the world. And in some U.S. counties, this movement to empower constitutional sheriffs has taken hold. And people are buying in. They can't force him to do certain things, which we're glad of anyways. And he knows that the people here are going to back him on that. Lewis County is really conservative. Carpinelli has been elected sheriff four times and even ran for governor. And he's popular not in spite of saying he won't enforce certain laws and mandates, but in part because of it. Being a gun owner, I would side with him on some of the stuff that royally ticks you off if you're a freedom-loving person who owns firearms. This is If All Else Fails from North Country Public Radio. I'm Zach Hirsch. And I'm Emily Russell. First, a bit of backstory. Mike Carpinelli grew up in the Hudson Valley. He enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserve after high school. Carpinelli became a police officer in the mid-80s. He worked in Kingston, in Rochester, and eventually moved to Lewis County. He started as a deputy, then was elected sheriff in 2011. Again, we reached out to Carpinelli several times for this story, and he did return one of our calls and left a voicemail. Yes, hello. Uh, I'll leave a message for Zach Hirsch. This is Sheriff Mike Carpinelli in Lewis County. I got your message, and uh, this is my desk number if you'd like to call me back any time. And uh, we'll talk, and then I'll decide uh, uh, what we can do. Appreciate you reaching out to me. Thank you. Take care, Zach. Bye-bye. That was the only time we heard from Carpinelli. We called and emailed him after that, but never heard back. But eventually, Carpinelli posted about us on Facebook, calling us the, quote, leftist-leaning press. He wrote, quote, I will not entertain an article that doesn't support our country. So we dug into a lot of his past interviews and public appearances, and it turns out Carpinelli's been really out front with his far-right views. We wanted to figure out how he went down this path, how he aligned himself with the far-right anti-government movement. And why his politics resonate with so many people. One thing was immediately clear. Gun rights play a central role in that story. Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a law that is the toughest gun law in the nation right now and tried to... In the wake of the Sandy Hook mass shooting, when 20 children and six adults were massacred at an elementary school in Connecticut, New York passed the SAFE Act. It was a new gun law banning high-capacity magazines and creating a registry for assault weapons, among other tight restrictions. Like many conservatives in the North Country, Carpinelli came out against the legislation. He rallied in Albany, and according to a Rochester newspaper, he said he would not enforce it. Signs calling for the SAFE Act to be repealed popped up all over the North Country. And Carpinelli's hardline stance really resonated with people here. Still does today. People like Gene Stanford, who lives in the Lewis County village of Port Leiden. He's a good man for the Second Amendment. And, uh... In this area, that's a big thing. That's a big plus. To my knowledge, yes, he, there's some laws he don't have to deal with. Because he works for us, this is why he's doing what he's doing. The year the SAFE Act was passed, Carpinelli connected with Richard Mack, the founder of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Here's Mack speaking at a far-right conference in 2021. We can take back America... County by county and state by state. And if the state doesn't want to do it, then we'll do it county by county, one good sheriff at a time. That clip was in a recent video on the movement by the Arizona Center for Investigative Reporting. 
Constitutional sheriffs believe local authorities, not the federal government, have the final say in deciding what is and isn't constitutional. We should point out legal scholars have told us they don't have the final say. And Rachel Goldwasser with the Southern Poverty Law Center says they're doing more than just pushing a fringe legal theory. Their goal is really to just radicalize every single sheriff in the country into determining that they're not going to follow particular federal and even state laws. Carpinelli was a keynote speaker at a Constitutional Sheriff's National Conference a few years ago. And today, his photo is on the group's homepage endorsing Mac, who in turn calls Carpinelli a good friend. This tape is from Mac's talk show. Uh, He's on our website, very loyal to me. And when anybody talks about constitutional sheriffs in New York, Mike Carpinelli is the first name that comes up. As Carpinelli got more into politics, pushing back against gun laws, he was also connecting with that other group we've mentioned, the Oath Keepers. In 2013, the Oath Keepers put out a call to form militias and county sheriff posses. A lot of people reportedly left the group in the years that followed, as the Oath Keepers became a militia and got more violent in their rhetoric. Despite that violent rhetoric, Carpinelli stuck by them. In 2016, he accepted the New York Oath Keepers Constitutional Sheriff Award. Today, a photo of him holding that award is the top image on his professional Facebook page. Rich Giardino is a Republican sheriff in nearby Fulton County. He's also very conservative. But when he was invited to join the Oath Keepers, he said no. Giardino knows Carpinelli personally, says he trusts him as a sheriff, but has hesitations about the groups he's connected to. It sounds good, Oath Keeper. You took an oath to the Constitution. Sounds great, you know. But then stick with your oath to the Constitution. I think that some of the leadership in some of these places are too extreme, that I don't want my name to be attached to that message. The Oath Keepers played a key role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. A mob threatened to hang members of Congress and Vice President Mike Pence. Multiple people died during and after the attack. For months, President Donald Trump and his allies had been falsely claiming that the election was stolen. On that day, Carpinelli was at a Stop the Steal rally in Albany. In a Facebook Live video, Carpinelli's speech sounded almost biblical. Don't be discouraged by what you hear from the tongues that are not of the pure. Months after January 6th, Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes emailed his supporters, encouraging them to rally for people arrested in connection with the Capitol riot. We got that email chain through a Freedom of Information request, and Carpinelli is on that email chain. Carpinelli responded to Rhodes, writing, Hi, Stuart. Good to hear you, sir. And told Rhodes he'd attended one of those rallies within the past week. The sheriff has said he does not condone the violence that happened on January 6th. But he's also downplayed the events and implications of that day. When Trump and his allies and rioters on the ground worked to delay the certification of the 2020 presidential election. Carpinelli also vouched for one of the people arrested for entering the Capitol, calling him a good friend. Someone from Lewis County wrote an op-ed about that statement, saying Carpinelli should, quote, hang his head in shame. But when we brought up January 6th in recent interviews in Lewis County, most people sounded more like this. I think the whole thing was pretty blown out of proportion. 
That's Cindy Nortz, who lives in Lowville. We also asked about Carpinelli's ties to the Oath Keepers and the constitutional sheriffs. What do you think about your sheriff being involved in some of those kinds of groups? Do you have any problems with it? No, I don't really. It's not illegal to associate with the Oath Keepers or the constitutional sheriffs or to rally. But Jackie Bray, commissioner of New York's Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services, says Carpinelli's behavior is concerning. The Oath Keepers leaders have been convicted of seditious conspiracy and of organizing a coup against the democratic leadership of this country. There's nothing more offending to me than that. She's talking about the idea of democracy with a little d. In a democracy, voters elect politicians to make laws, and law enforcement, well, enforces those laws. But constitutional sheriffs say they can choose which laws they believe in. And we've seen that with Mike Carpinelli in Lewis County. First, over guns, and more recently, other big issues that affect a lot of people, like the pandemic. Carpinelli pushed back on state COVID mandates, refusing to enforce what he called an unlawful quarantine. Here he is at a county board meeting in 2021. For all of us to be such sheep and be in such fear is absolutely ridiculous. Now you're going to use a law enforcement official to try to get people to stay in their house? Not a chance from this guy. Then last summer, he waded into the culture war battle over gender identity in schools. In a Facebook Live interview, Carpinelli referred to gender policies as, quote, mind control. If any parent goes to school, they find out that, that the administration is pushing this pedophile, this, this, this anti-gender crap about who they are and what they are, and a parent feels that their child has been endangered by the school system, We'll send down a deputy or an investigator, and we will arrest that school teacher. Carpinelli is suggesting he could arrest someone for teaching something he doesn't agree with, not for something that's against the law. I mean, to me, as a scholar who studies these things, it smacks of authoritarianism, right? That's Joe Henderson. He's a professor at Paul Smith's College in the Adirondacks. It's this kind of belief that, like, you should be deferential to certain kinds of authority, and, like, anybody who deviates from that authority, like, needs to be punished. Henderson and others who study extremism say this is why this kind of rhetoric matters. He says it's a local authority picking and choosing which laws to enforce, leaving an entire population potentially at the mercy of one person's ideology. How does somebody, on the one hand, believe that the government shouldn't tread on them while also being literally an agent of the state? And the way that's a smooth ideology, right, is that you believe that your interpretation of the state is the correct one. And there's another layer here. Carpinelli and many others in the constitutional sheriff's movement talk about God a lot. They say the Constitution was divinely inspired. John Finn, a government professor at Wesleyan University, says rooting the movement in religion takes it to another level. It means the local county sheriff is the ultimate bulwark against people messing around with God's work. So... It allows them to imagine themselves as the great defenders of God's plan for America. Carpinelli is one of eight constitutional sheriffs around New York and dozens across the country. As for the Oath Keepers, a leaked list showed at one point there were nearly 2,000 members in New York, including dozens in law enforcement. Drive around Lewis County and you'll see lots of signs in support of Mike Carpinelli. 
Some people still even have Carpinelli for governor signs from a couple of years ago. Now entering the town of Laville. We drove around and talked to a lot of people, both in person and later over the phone. We wanted to figure out how Carpinelli's behavior, his embrace of a fringe ideology, is even possible. Here's what we know. First, plenty of people just aren't aware of any of that stuff. We asked Lydia Eastman from Glenfield about Carpinelli's connections to the Oath Keepers and Constitutional Sheriffs. I don't keep up with that. I don't even know what that means. But here's what Eastman does know about Carpinelli. I've seen a lot of his signs around. I've never had any encounters with him, but I know that he's helped a lot of my friends and family in the community. Second, there are people in Lewis County who are aware of those ties and his statements and either love Carpinelli for it, like Gene Stanford, who we heard from earlier. Or it's just not the most important thing about the sheriff. Like for Richard Defone, who's actually a former village judge from Lowville. He says you can't pick and choose which laws to follow. But overall... Well, I think he's done a good job as a sheriff. I think he uh, brought innovations to the department, and the department's run pretty well. Some people in Lewis County are concerned about Carpinelli, but most didn't want to talk on tape, said they were scared of the repercussions. One county lawmaker, a Republican, also didn't want to talk on tape, but did give us some insight into the sheriff and his career, describing Carpinelli as the most popular politician in Lewis County. The people of Lewis County consistently elect him, the lawmaker said, adding, quote, there's no secret about where he stands. For North Country Public Radio, I'm Emily Russell. And I'm Zach Hirsch. This story is part of a new series on far-right extremism called If All Else Fails. You can listen to all episodes right now by subscribing to the podcast. Just go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen and search If All Else Fails. Tomorrow on the show, we'll hear part three about another sheriff in rural New York who was invited to a far-right group. Sheriff Rich Giardino says he didn't know how extreme the group was and joined because he was recruited by someone he knew. After Emily and Zach's interview, Giardino told them he was reconsidering his membership. That's tomorrow morning, right here on Northern Light. It's 822. In other news, Governor Kathy Hochul unveiled a $233 billion state budget plan yesterday. Karen DeWitt reports her proposal holds the line on spending increases and dips into the state's reserve funds to help pay for the migrant crisis. Hochul says while she plans to increase school aid by around 2.5% and spend more on the state-funded Medicaid health care program, the rate of spending will be far lower than record increases over the past two years. But the truth is 
We can't spend like there's no tomorrow because tomorrow always comes. The governor's education plan sets up potential tensions with suburban state lawmakers. She's proposing to end a time-honored tradition known as Hold Harmless. It guarantees that no school district, even the state's wealthiest, ever receives less aid than they did the previous year. Hochul says some of those schools are sitting on very healthy reserves and could weather the change. A number of our school districts have actually exceeded the statutory limit of what they're able to hold in reserve because so much money has come from from the federal government, state government. Now, of course, one would think that that could be used to reduce property taxes, but it's still being held in reserves. The governor also outlined more spending to shore up the state's mental health system, crack down on retail theft, and increase money to public colleges and universities. A housing plan scaled back from an unsuccessful proposal last year would require communities to sign a pro-housing pledge in order to receive grant monies, and she wants to revive a tax credit for real estate developers who include affordable housing in their projects. Hochul distanced herself from a push by progressive groups Groups and some Democrats who control both houses of the legislature to raise taxes to pay for key programs. She made it clear that no new taxes will be part of a final spending plan, even if the Senate and Assembly try to include them. Yes, I will say no. No income tax increase. The governor's plan was immediately attacked by some of those progressive groups, including the state's Working Families Party. Co-director Jasmine Gripper says the governor is trying to balance her budget on the backs of working New Yorkers, who she says are already struggling with an affordability crisis. New York's wealthiest, the billionaires and millionaires, are doing great. They continue to thrive in New York, and asking them to do a little bit more to pay their fair share is a reasonable request. Hochul also received blowback from the state's largest health care workers union. SEIU 1199, along with the Greater New York Hospital Association. They decry Hochul's plans to hold the line on Medicaid increases, saying the state has to end drastic underfunding that they say has led to deep financial woes for many hospitals and eroded health care in low-income communities. Democratic Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie says he still needs to review the governor's plan more carefully, but he says he's not drawing any lines in the sand when it comes to higher taxes. I don't want to commit to anything until I talk to the members and we see uh, what the, the wish list is. So I'm not ruling out uh, raising revenue um, because I don't know where we are yet on, uh, on spending. Hochul received praise for her budget plan from the state's business council, as well as the conservative-leaning budget watchdog group, the Empire Center, which credited the governor for telling it like it is. Hochul also detailed how much she thinks the state will have to pay to deal with the ongoing migrant crisis, which is bringing in over 13,000 asylum seekers a month to New York. She says she's budgeting nearly $2.5 billion to help house and feed the migrants. Some of that will come from the state's reserve funds. I am proposing that we draw $500 million from state reserves that are intended for one-time emergencies like this. The governor is planning a trip to Washington later this week to lobby for more federal aid and for immigration reform. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network. The Franklin County Sheriff's Office is investigating after an inmate died at the county jail in Malone. The Adirondack Daily Enterprise reports a 32-year-old woman was unresponsive in her bed on the early morning of January 7th. Her name has not been released. 
Franklin County Sheriff Jay Cook says the preliminary investigation hasn't revealed suspicious activity. Investigators are still waiting on the autopsy results. The woman who crashed her pickup truck into a buggy in the town of Alexandria has pleaded guilty to two counts of criminally negligent homicide. Two children died in the September accident, while four other family members were injured and treated at a hospital. WWNY-TV reports Charlene Kring has been placed on interim probation for a year. Police say distracted driving and speed were both factors in that crash. And more snow is coming to parts of the North Country this week. The National Weather Service has issued a lake effect snow warning for parts of Oswego, Jefferson, and Lewis counties through Thursday evening. Meteorologists are predicting one to three feet of snow with the most concentrated on the Tug Hill Plateau. The snowstorm will hit the Watertown area today before moving south overnight. The Weather Service is anticipating high winds and blowing snow this afternoon through the evening. And in these last couple of minutes, Todd, how is uh, how's the weather looking for the rest of the region? Some scattered snow showers today and tonight and probably for the rest of the week for that matter and a little turning a little colder as well. Highs this afternoon in the teens for much of the region with winds out of the west southwest lows single digits overnight again tonight. Then tomorrow some snow showers, highs near 20. Friday highs in the teens, Saturday a high in the single digits. That's it for Northern Light on this Wednesday. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Then join us this afternoon for a special conversation called Click Here. It's about digital morality. What happens when authorities use digital weapons to impose their vision of morality on the people they're supposed to serve? Across the globe, rulers have launched apps, tracked phones, and used personal data in increasingly hostile ways, and it sparked some very creative responses. That conversation in a one-hour special this afternoon between 2 and 3 o'clock called Click Here, that's right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. Thanks for listening. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Be well.